of the series Exposed. There are several parts to the series. Last week, the, the subject of Exposed was Jesus wept. The second part was going to be water to wine, and then the third part, and I'm going to give you all a questionnaire on this to see if you all are creative enough to tell me what that is on Facebook, so be watching Facebook. But the third part was going to be, and is still going to be, bacon to beef. (laughs) What in the world does that have to do at all with anything that the Father wants to do in our lives? You'll see, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell me what you think that is. But as I was listening to the podcast, and if you don't listen to the Rock podcast during the week, I encourage you, subscribe to the Rock podcast. We can give instruction on that. It's on the website. If you go there, you can click on it, subscribe. It's super easy. But I was listening to the Rock podcast as I was walking one night this week, and and as I was listening to last Sunday's message, uh, Jesus Wept, I came, as, as I was reading the scripture I'm about to read again, as I was reading that, and I was listening to it. Holy Spirit really prompted me, and he said, Man, you, Steve, you didn't get into this all the way. There's a part that was left out that's really important, and you need to speak to that. And he just really began to develop some thoughts in me. Not, uh, not a lot, but this, this, I, um, my thoughts are that unless he fills in all the blanks and uh, makes it longer than I anticipate, this will be very quick but very pointed. Very pointed. Very helpful, very life-building for you. Are you ready for that today? So I went home and I began to write what Holy Spirit was saying to me, all three points and all three bullet points. There aren't really an outline, but all three bullet points. And man, it just came alive in me. And this, I believe, is really going to be life in you today. Um, I'm telling you, he literally is doing this. And I want you to say it with me. Say, he is rolling stones away. He is rolling stones away. You've got to get that this morning. So, Father, as we enter into this, I pray today that you help us keep our eyes wide open, our ears wide open, and hear with our heart, hear with the Spirit of Christ that dwells in us everything that you want us to draw out of this. Change us today. Let us walk out of this place. If we came in limping, may we walk, leave this place skipping. Father, let it be today. I'm talking spiritually. However we came in, Father, increase, increase our our joy, increase our faith, increase uh, who we believe we are in you and, and, and help us to understand and to see completely how you see us. Let today be the day that dreams are reborn in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin by reading in John chapter 11. I'm going to read quite a few verses. It's the same passage that I read last week. This is the story of Lazarus and Christ. And then I want to point out uh, what he showed me as I was walking and listening to the podcast this week. It says this in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. He was ill Lazarus of Bethany in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is, in fact, For the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
Then after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he does stumble because the light, it is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I have to go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, surely he'll wake up. And Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, for your sake, for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his disciples, to his fellow disciples, let us also go and we'll all die together. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here, and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly, and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, come and see. Jesus then wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man, Lazarus, from dying? I want to look again at verse 33. In verse 33, it says, Christ was deeply moved and greatly troubled. Yeah. Why? Was he, we said this last week, but I want to dive deep into this statement. 
Was he deeply moved because Lazarus died? Not at all. He was not bothered at all that Lazarus was died, had died. In fact, we learn that in the first few verses of John 11. Didn't bother him at all. He said, this man is not going to die. He's ill, but he's not ill unto death. This is for the glory of God. The Son must be made manifest. This is for the glory of God. You have to believe this, disciples. So Jesus did not weep. He was not moved and, and greatly troubled because Lazarus had died. He was moved and greatly troubled because they believed Lazarus had died. But Christ did not believe Lazarus had died. Let's make the point Holy Spirit made to me. I'm going to start this with the same question to you, Holy Spirit asked of me. He said, when I rehearsed this podcast this week, Holy Spirit said, how many things do we call dead that are waiting only to have faith attached to them? How many things do we call dead that are simply waiting for our faith to be attached to them? Why was Christ troubled? Why was he upset? Why was he weeping? He wasn't weeping because Lazarus died. He was weeping because there was no faith attached to the possibility that Lazarus would actually live. Even after Christ several times said to all of them, said to the disciples, he said to Mary, he said to Martha, he is not dead. And even when Christ said he has died, it wasn't death as we perceive it. It was opportunity for him to be glorified. And he was greatly troubled because he sees Lazarus as a living being while everyone else is seeing him as one who is dead inside the tomb. And he said, it's bothering me. I am troubled. I'm weeping right now because I'm wondering where is the faith of my daughters and my sons? You watched me do so much. You've seen me move among you and do so many miracles. Where is your faith? You perceive my tears as tears of sorrow over Lazarus. But I'm about to do something that's absolutely incredible. I'm about to attach my faith to what appears to be dead. And you're going to watch this man rise up out of that tomb and come out. My dream of him living has not passed. Your dream of him living has long gone. And he said, I am troubled because those who say they walk with me, those who say they believe in me, those who say I am a believer, I have faith in you, you truly, you are the son of God. Those who have said that, those who have said surely, surely you are the resurrection in life. I believe that. I just don't believe you can resurrect anyone now. My faith is in the resurrection in the sweet, sweet by and by, but it's not in the resurrection right now. I want to tell you, immediately he began to grieve, and he might be grieving over one or two or many of us that are under the sound of my voice right now because he's wondering, why is it that you are allowing something to be dead that is only waiting for your faith to be attached to it? 
What dreams are in you? What hopes have you had? What words has Holy Spirit spoken to you? What promises has He given you? And you look at it and as far as you can see, there is a stone rolled in front of the tomb where your dream is. And you've given up and you've said, I know you're going to resurrect this thing at the end, but today I don't have the faith. And He says, I'm grieving over you. I'm not grieving over your dream. I'm not grieving over your hope. I'm not dreaming over the word that is in that tomb. I mean, I'm, I'm grieving because you have given up. And he said, I'm grieving today because you are not attaching your faith to that thing. And he says, I want to speak to you today. And when he, man, when he, there were things, I don't give up on things easily, but I've, I've, there's things in my heart that I sat on a back shelf and thought, you know what, maybe this isn't the time. And, and as Holy Spirit began to really stir this in me as I was walking, I, I began to walk quicker. I normally walk with my, we walk and, and normally it's like a 16 or 17 minute mile that we're walking and, and by the time I finished that I walked a 14 minute mile because my heart rate's running and, and man I, he's speaking to me and he said Steve roll the stone away roll the stone away it might be in the tomb but it's not dead in the tomb just because it's in a tomb doesn't mean it's dead in a tomb doesn't mean it has to stinketh I'm not going to read any further, but if you read on and he talks about, Lord, you know, surely he stinketh. He's been dead for four days. Surely he stinketh by now. And he's already grieved. He's already grieved in his heart because, man, there's just no faith here. And then it gets worse. Oh, Lord. Hope you brought your N95 mask because it's about to get bad. Says, y'all don't understand. Lazarus, dream. Hope, word, vision, come out of that place. Come out of that place. You need to hear me this morning. Dream, hope, vision, word. I'm speaking to you today. I'm speaking right into you today. Come out of that place. Get off of that shelf. Oh, God, but I don't have the resources. I, you know, we don't have the medicine to make Lazarus. We don't have the, the machines, and we don't have the whatever, the technology. We don't have it. And he says the whole time, I am the resurrection. Well, you're missing the point. I am the resurrection and the life. You don't need that. You've got me. I think sometimes as believers, we forget how powerful the anointing of Christ really is in us. Sometimes it's easy to set aside the anointing that Christ, that the Father imparts to us when we receive Christ, the anointing that is present in us to speak to a stone and say, stone, be rolled away. And to say to the dream or the vision, you are alive. You feel dead. You smell dead. You look dead. You look useless right now. And the whole time the father says, man, I'm grieving because you're not attaching your faith to it. I'm not grieving because it's dead because I know it's not dead. See, I said this last week. I'm going to remind you again. What we do is, is, is mankind, as human beings, we see things in two dimension. It's either living or dying. It's living, it's dying, it's black, it's white, it's red, it's green, it's, it's up or it's down, it's half full, it's half empty. We see everything's half in two dimension. The father doesn't see things that way. He sees everything in three dimension, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Everything's three dimension for him. He sees living, 
dying or dead and coming back to life. Living, dying, sleeping. And he says, I'm inviting you to join me in three-dimensional vision. See, that third dimension part of vision is seeing through the eyes of Christ. While Mary and Martha, disciples, and all those that were gathered where they're looking into that tomb and they're smelling everything and they're looking at it, they're convinced it's death, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead. And the Father, Christ, is the whole time he's saying it's not dead, it's sleeping, it's not dead, it's died in your eyes. But in my eyes, man, I'm watching right now. I see on the other side of that stone Lazarus right now. He's taking all that stuff off of him. Right now, I can see on the other side of that, he's taking stuff off that he's unwrapping your dream again. Some of you right now, it's already boiling up inside of you. He's already, right now, Holy Spirit is beginning to, un, you're becoming aware again. Some of you, right now, you're thinking of things that you have put off for so long, you forgot it was even in you. It's so deep in the tomb, it's like you built a pyramid in the spirit realm. And you have, you have dug a tunnel so deep, you have buried that thing so deep, you just never intended for you to find it again, nor did you want anyone else to find it again. But the Father said, you can't take it so far from me that I can't see it. I can make the wind blow, baby, and I'll make that thing come alive. How many things do we call dead that are just waiting to have faith attached to them? Mm-mm-mm. If we look from, at these things from the three-dimensional perspective, which is Christ... If we can look at it from his perspective, I'm going to tell you it changes everything about how we attach our faith. Everything about it. I want to read verse 32 again. Mary said she did not understand that Jesus, she did not understand Jesus, why he was really there. Let's read verse 32 one more time. It says, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet and she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She had no idea. She could not fathom. She could not lay her, wrap her mind around the idea that standing right in front of her was Christ, the son of the living God, who had absolutely in every way totally redeemed her and transformed her entire life, but somehow it only worked for her. Somehow he used all of his anointing oil on her. And he said, Mary, I can't understand why you don't understand that I am the resurrection yesterday, I am the resurrection today, and I will be the resurrection and the life tomorrow. You know, many times you can kind of understand why, and I thought about this as I was walking, you can understand why sometimes it is so... Um, it might be uh, understandable why they misinterpreted what Christ was saying when Jesus wept. I mean, how many times have we seen people cry and we thought they were crying because they were sad, but really it might have been tears of joy. We misinterpret things all the time, so it's really easy to understand that. But when it's related to Christ, when it's something of the Spirit, you know, I remember when we were building this building, we were, or we were getting ready to... Uh, we were looking to build this building, and I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's too long. But when we drove by this land, and it was not for sale, and I said to my wife, and we were a little group, and I said to my wife, I said, that's a great piece of property for, to build the church on, to build the rock on. This is 20 years ago. I said, this is a, that's a great piece of property. There's nothing down here. I mean, y'all remember when this is a two-lane highway, and there was no businesses. There was nothing down here. This was, this was in the sticks. And I said, that'd be a great place to build a property on. We drove by it, and we no for sale sign. The next year, we drove by it again. We got home that night, 
And it's, man, it was just in me. I could not get away from it. We got up early the next morning. I, our kids were little. I said, let's put the kids in the van. Let's drive over there. We drive over here. There's, there's a lady putting four sale signs up on the property. I dialed that number, and I'll tell this quickly. But I dialed that number, and I said, sir, I want to buy that land. He said, okay. I said, how much is it? Because there was no price, nothing. He said, $1.1 million. I said, well, I'll give you 300000 for it. We had like $600. <laughs> true story I said I'll give you 300,000 for it and he said no nope, not going to do that and he said you give me, you come up with 1.1 million we'll talk at some point in that conversation I said to him I said sir whether you sell me that land or the man you sell that land to sells me that land I'm going to own that land and I'm going to build a church on that land and he said I don't believe in that God stuff but when you come up with 1.1 million, you give me a call. And I hung up the phone, went over there and met him in, Gaines, or in Ocala, walked into his house, or walked up to his front door, knocked on his front door. He opens it up. He's eating a banana. He, I, he told me I could have five minutes of his time, sat at his kitchen table while he's eating a banana. And I, and I just told him some of what, some of the past. I just shared with him a story. And as I shared that story with him and tears were flowing down his eyes, he pulled out a napkin and he said, we can do this. And he did it. And we bought that land. And I'm going to tell you, with most people, that it would have been a dead deal. It would have been dead. But one thing that I know that I know that I know is when God says it, he does it. It doesn't always happen. On our timeline, Alex has a, Alex Darnell has a, wherever Alex is. I don't know where he's at right now, but Alex Darnell had a really good perspective on that this morning. We'll come back to another time, but I'm telling you, it doesn't always happen on our timeline. But if we function based on only our timeline, we roll the stone in front of the tomb. We bury that sucker and we say, "You're never coming back." But if we can look at this thing three dimensionally. He said, it's either living or it's dead or it's somewhere in between. That in-between place is where God can do anything he wants to with it. According to our faith. That faith operates in that part. I told you the spirit, soul, and the body, that's the three parts. But that spirit, soul, and body, I'm, that soul is impacted. You're, the soul of who we are looks like what our body and spirit are when, they're, when heaven and earth are joined together. So we put those things in that tomb. I'm telling you what the Father's saying. I don't know why you put it there. It might be ill right now, or it might be out of place right now. But if that thing is in you, because I put it in you, you better speak to it. You better lift your voice over it every single day. I mean, every day when we bought this land, when we were getting ready to buy the land, and I had met with, this, with Noah DeFalco, with that, I shouldn't have said his name, the man, and I met with him. When I met with that man, every day after that, Kim and I would drive over here to this land. Some of you joined us. We'd come over here and we'd walk all over this land. We'd lay hands on the trees. It's 2001, man. We'd, we, were talking, we were talking to the trees before we knew trees could talk to us. 
We walked all over that retention pond. We were dreaming already. We were looking. We went over to that big oak and said, man, this big oak, it would be wonderful to have a little table under this thing. This is years before there was even a building on it. But we were already seeing this thing as out of the tomb. It seemed absolutely impossible. But all the father was saying was, son, you attach your faith to this thing and it will not die. It will live. It will live. Years went by before we were able to build this building. And I remember at 3 o'clock in the morning when the concrete, the contractor called me and he said, we're going to be pouring contract at 3 o'clock in the morning. 2.30 in the morning, I got my wife up. We got our kids up. We piled them in the van. 2.30 in the morning, we're out here in the middle of the night just watching them bring truck after truck after truck to pour the foundation. We were like, wow, the dream lives. And then, before that, though, they were clearing the land, and they found six gopher turtles, tortoises, on our land. And if you're familiar, if you're from Florida, you understand the tragedy of that. And I mean that in every respectable way I possibly can. Gopher tortoises only live where you want to build. And they're protected, and they're endangered. So when they found six gopher tortoises on this land, it created a two-year delay in our ability to be able to build. Everything was already cleared. And then suddenly they came in and the environmental whoever came in and they said, well, we found six gopher tortoises on that land. And I just wanted to say, are you sure they're not like painted turtles? And then they begin to tell us what it was going to take to remove those tortoises. Everything there was, it was a stone trying to be rolled in front. It was trying to get this dream into a tomb. And when they told us it was going to cost us $7,000 per tortoise to send each one, they packaged, they packed those rascals up, first class, send them to some school in North Carolina and test them for upper respiratory disease. And we had to pay for it. The problem is we didn't have $7,000 per tortoise to spare. And everything about that was, man, this is just the enemy saying, I'm, we're about to put your dream in the tomb. Your Lazarus has just died. Your dream has just died. It took two years to get through the hurdles to be approved so that they could come out here and they could capture these gopher tortoises. I don't know why no one ever told them, all you have to do is dig a hole in front of their little tunnel, and when they come out, they'll fall in a bucket, and then you take it to your neighbor's land. <laughs> don't do that. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Scratch that. Totally take that out. We did not do that. We paid for every one of those. My point is this. In every possible way, the enemy is going to come and he's going to tell you that your dream, your Lazarus, is dead. And the enemy is sometimes going to use the people who I'm trying, I'm just trying to make sure. <laughs> the people that should have the most faith. The enemy will use the people that should have the most faith, should be able to encourage you the most to kill your Lazarus for you. Mary, what do you think I should do with this? Well, you know what? Just put the stone in front of that thing because at the resurrection, it'll come alive again. Well, 
I don't need the tortoises gone in the resurrection. I need them gone now. I don't need this dream to come to pass in the sweet, sweet by and by. It'd be good if it could happen right now. And I believe that Jesus let Lazarus die just so he could find out where their faith lie. Because he wanted to demonstrate, I don't see things like you do. I don't see the dreams like you do. You see them as either successful or as a failure. He said, I see both of those options because those are through the eyes of Adam. But I'm the second Adam. So I bring a third option. And the third option is, if it's dead, it can live again. If it's alive, it can live even better. Let me show you what happens when I breathe the anointing of Christ into this. Is what he's trying to say to those who followed him, who were following him. So as I was on my little walk, and I began to think about a few different things, and he began to make me aware again. I, there, were, there were a couple of things that I had put so deep, as I said, I had built my own pyramid, and I had put some things so deep in that thing, and I just thought, you know what? It is what it is. And Holy Spirit said, Steve, what are you calling dead that's only waiting for you to attach your faith again to that thing? It's easy to have faith when he first gives you the word. Oh, man, I'm excited about this thing. Man, I know this is a dream. This is a vision. I'm going to create a website. I'm going to create a this, and I'm going to create a that. Man, I'm going to build this thing, and it's going to be... And then all of a sudden, it looks like one of those little things in a cartoon where, where Wiley Coyote is chasing the roadrunner, and it's just a puff of smoke. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about this morning? But the interesting thing is here that I think is cool too is I think that in this story, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I think in this story the disciples and Mary and Martha were Wiley Coyote. Because they never caught the purpose of Lazarus' death. See, Wiley Coyote never caught the roadrunner. I never saw a cartoon where he did. I always wanted to. I really did. I rooted for him. Catch him. Get, go around that rock. Then he would, and then Roadrunner would have a little trap set. But in this story, it's not bad. Oftentimes, those that we trust the most are our Wileys. But the truth is, when we boil it all down, we put it all in a pot, and we look at this thing, and if it were tangible and we could dip our hands in it, and we pick this thing up, and we held it in our hand, and we look at this dream, what we have to know is this. Did this come from God? And if it did, as many Wileys as they want to can chase me around telling me that it's really dead. But I'm going to keep speaking to it. You are alive. You do not stinketh. You are not wrapped up in linen. There is no stone in front of your tomb. In fact, you're not even in a tomb. You might be in a waiting place. I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm looking at it. I want you to look. I'm looking at this thing. You might be in a waiting place. You might be in an incomplete place. But you are not in a dead place. 
And you are waiting for me to attach my faith to something that looks dead, but it's really not dead. I'm still, I'm going to believe. This, if this came, if this came into my heart, if this became a part of my life because it was a word of the Lord, I'm going to nurture this thing and I'm going to hold this thing and I'm not going to give my faith away so that it dies. I'm going to cling to my faith and I'm going to speak to this thing and say, you are alive and you are well. Right now you're small and I'm going to nurture you and I'm going to nurture you as Holy Spirit tells me to. But I'm never going to give the opportunity for Christ to weep over me because I couldn't attach my faith to the hope and to the dream and to the purpose and to the promise. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I'm holding on. What did you say to me? I'm going to ask you this morning, what is he speaking to you? Look deep into the corridors of the pyramid that you have built where you have buried things so far out of the way. You never want to see them again. Oh, I don't ever want to think about that again. Every time I think about it, this happens. No, and the father says, mm. look through the third dimension. Look through the eyes of Christ. It can live or it can die. But I'm the resurrection. And I'm the life. So if you will attach your faith to this thing, I will resurrect it. And I will give it life. Do you hear me today? Stand with me if you would please. Father, I lift my voice and I thank you today. I thank you that in every single way that you are a great and awesome God. Babe, will you join me please? You are a great and awesome God. You move in and among us and through us. You change us. You cause our eyes to see what there is no way we could see if it were not for the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our life. Today I pray for the men and the women that are whether they're in this building or they're online. I pray for every single one. I pray for me. I pray for my wife, for my family. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, lead us. Lead us. May we see again those things that we've stopped looking at because it wasn't coming to pass like we thought it should. May we see again in life what somehow we have suddenly accounted to death. If it came from you, let it stir us again so that you are glorified, so that you can show that you are again indeed the resurrection and the life. We believe. We believe. May you never be found weeping over us because we could not attach our faith to the dream. Be glorified in Jesus' name.